0: This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Ciroclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Ciroclad. The Ciroclad Rain Screen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated, and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 days self-cleaning and a 20-year fade limited warranty. This high-performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit siraclad.com. Our guest today, we're uh, really honored and excited to welcome Tyler Suomala. Tyler is an American designer, educator, and practitioner. Received his Master of Architecture degree from Princeton University School of Architecture, where he was an editor of Pigeon Magazine and the recipient of the Henry Adams AIA Medal. Tyler, listen to this one. Tyler is helping 1,000 plus architects communicate their unique value and build meaningful meaningful relationships at tylertactics.com and business development at monograph. You can find them on the web at TylerTactics.com. Tyler, really happy. I know I've said this and I'll continue to say is really happy to have you on the show. Thank you for being here.
1: Thanks Tom. I really appreciate it. Um, that bio is, uh, I don't, I don't know where you found the top part of that bio, but it must be from like my old website or something. That was kind of funny.
0: <laughs> I did. And I, I take and post them, and then I put my own words, in yeah, it, well, that was perfect. of course it you know,
1: no. That was a perfect mix of the old and the new. That was
0: funny. Oh well, glad glad you uh, enjoyed it, and your audience will as well. Tyler is as a what do you have a, a th- thought or kind of a quote that you think of that really resonates with you almost on a daily basis?
1: Um, uh, for life, for life, life I would say. Business? Yeah, I have two. I have two. Maybe there's two different ones, right? So for for life, it would be chase fulfillment. Um, I try to remember that one for business. It would be, you are extremely valuable. Raise your, raise your darn fees.
0: Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> raise your darn, your darn fees too. You add that in there. I'm okay. We'll, well, let's touch on the, uh, the fulfillment real quick. Yeah. Or as long as you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we're often told to like chase our passions. I think sometimes that can be misleading. I see a difference between passion and fulfillment. Like, and this is more based on my own personal experience, right? Like I have a, I'm extremely passionate about architecture. Um, I love architecture. I've studied, you know, I have two degrees in architecture. I've worked in small and large large architecture firms. I ran my own architecture practice. Um, But ultimately, um, despite my passion for architecture, I didn't feel fulfilled in, in the process. There was something that was, off about it. I wasn't enjoying um, my time, like, uh, directly in that. And I was, and so there was, so there was some kind of misalignment between something I was passionate about and the work that I was doing within there. So then it was about trying to figure out different ways, like, what, what actually brings me fulfillment? What parts, what parts of the the process that I'm working on or the things that I'm doing? Am I enjoying? And what parts aren't I enjoying? which I think is like the fulfillment component. It's a little bit more holistic, right? Um, Passion might be embedded in that, um, but it also includes like, you know, the impact that it's having on your lifestyle and your work-life balance and um, time spent with friends and family and things like that.
0: And we'll segue that that's, I'm definitely a first that's probably ever, most people have ever heard because we're either taught or it's ingrained in us to chase either success or chase happiness or some other superlative raise your damn fees. Was there was there a a, moin, a moment uh, or there moments where you went you know what what architects do what designers do is so is so significant not in an arrogant way but really in in a in a societal environment community way yeah. that the effort time and energy involved in becoming an architect and a designer is so significant and it, that's just the beginning. Once you become one, that you really are charged with uh, almost uh, the preservation of mankind. can. And when I mean that, but it's by a home, a dwelling, or, or a building. You're, you're charged with that, and to not be as compensated. Obviously, in my opinion, I think they'd be I'd be one of the most compensated professions on the planet. But uh, can you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think you're right. I, the the built environment uh, applies to literally every single person on this planet in some, in some capacity. Um, and not necessarily every space um, is designed by an architect, but, you know, those that are, um, you can definitely tell when you're in a more intentional space that has an impact on your day-to-day activities, it has an impact on your lifestyle, it has an impact on your psyche, you know. Um, Things like that. So there's a lot there. Yeah, there's everything you said. There's so much value being added by architects. Um, I just firmly believe that every architect should be raising their fees um, to meet the value. I mean, I think we should always be trying to also, you know, offer more value to our clients. Um, in every way possible, and to better communicate that value to our clients. But in general, um, I would say what our value is right now and where our fees are. Uh, those are there's a there's a big discrepancy there, and we need to we need to work towards um, raising those up and 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 communicating that value more effectively.
0: Now you're definitely do it, doing it on your own with your own organization and your uh, your own advocacy and the advocacies of of, of others. Do you foresee a time When the organizations, we use the AIA, for example, actually not just embrace, but practice what it is that you've helped formulate, formally formulate, and uh, execute on? I
1: think uh, uh, that's a hard question. Um, I think that there's certainly a desire to do that. My personal opinion um, is that, and I know that I know that Kimberly was just on, right? And that's a, yes. <laughs> amazing. I can't believe that I'm like even in the same podcast as her. Um, so that's so that's pretty amazing. Um, I think the AIA is an, an incredible organization, right? It brings it brings architects together. It educates them on uh, many different things. It continues it continues their education um, towards specific topics and helps us all like continue to grow in different ways. Um, however, I think this is true like just in general, right? If you' If we're waiting for organizations to solve problems for us, we're going to be waiting for longer than if we just solve the problems ourselves. So like at an individual level, at a, at a business level, at a firm level, right, um, you're better off trying to um, better communicate your value, trying to uh, trying to raise your fees like yourself rather than waiting for the AIA to educate the public on how much more value you actually offer.
0: Yeah, and on that, that uh, the value is, do you envision or foresee a tipping point to where there is a, I'll, I'll use this rather crude example, is it at one point, uh, I understand that lobster was fed to prisoners, because it was uh, cheap and, and uh, plentiful. Yeah. So that was what you gave prisoners, it wasn't something people ate. Now it's the other way around. It's obviously it's the, typically the most expensive dish on, <laughs> yeah. on, on the menu. <laughs> and and uh, it, to where that sort of t- shift occurs, to where, yeah, one time they weren't, it was thought of as, yeah, that's just, you know, for prisoners. And now it's, oh, that's delectable. And, and there's a number of different analogies you can use, but do you foresee that occurring with architects and their
1: fees? I mean, I sure hope so. I mean, that's what, that's what... I know that I'm not the only one talking about this and thinking about it, um, but I think that's, that's the future that I would envision. I think it's, I think it's much more difficult to get there. And I think the hardest, I think what most architects think is that the hardest part of that, the hardest hill that we have to climb is actually the one of educating our, our clients about our value. Uh, And I think that's true. That is, that is a challenge in and of itself, but there's also another challenge um, where architects don't actually uh, I think they don't actually believe, um, or haven't taken a time haven't taken time to actually think about how much value they're actually offering. Like you have to believe you have to believe what you're selling, right? And I'm not I'm honestly not sure. Just in having the you know over a thousand conversations that I've had at this point with architects, I'm not I'm not yet convinced that architects actually believe. Um, in how much value they're offering. Maybe, and it might be just because they haven't had time to think about it because they're always so busy, right? Uh, There's always 10 different things going on. Um, But when you actually sit back and think about the value that's being offered just at a lifestyle uh, capacity, at the capacity of risk management, at the capacity of finances and things that are going into this, like there's so much, there's just so much value um, being offered by architects. And so you have to believe that first and then you have to work on communicating that value to your client.
0: Or to the I'll network. use another. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, interrupt. I'm so excited to talk to you, Tyler. Really, <laughs> is uh, another analogy that has nothing to do. You would think of, of architecture, but <clears throat> y- well, I'll uh, I'll leverage Muhammad Ali. You recall mm-hmm. he, he always he said he was the greatest, mm-hmm. and he was okay. But but I am the greatest. It wasn't, at the time, especially with the way that the world was at that time, it was viewed as somewhat cocky. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't referring so much just to his skill set. It was all the, the totality of what he offered. Obviously, he knew that he was a draw. He knew that he connect communities and countries. He knew that he uh, wherever he went, he had influence on that. And so stating that I am the greatest was now we look back, and he's like, well, no, it wasn't not just to say, hey, look at me, I'm this guy. This guy. <coughs> Excuse me, it was the total. What do you bring, the value you bring to everybody? You know, if you're not if you're not fighting, you're not bringing right. in revenue here. You, you don't have all these people following you. So, with that belief, I think it's that sounds like a belief system that, you know, I truly am the greatest, and with architects to say, no, I am the greatest without yeah. <laughs> sounding cocky or <laughs> arrogant about it, but really like, no, I don't mean that in the sense that Ego, I mean it in the sense of here's the value that I bring to everyone. What's your yeah. thought on that?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the challenge, right? The okay. there's already there's uh, there's already some like somewhere you know there's a stereotype that that architects can be egomaniacs, uh, right? We've all we've all heard that, or maybe even experienced it at some level um, throughout throughout the profession in some way. Um, but you're right; it's not it's not saying it. Uh, it's not saying it in a cocky way, it's just it's literally believing. It's understanding the value that that, that you offer that you have and all of that education that you have and all of the experience that you now um, are able to bring forward to each and every one of your clients to give them a, you know, very unique solution to their very specific challenges and problems.
0: Well stated. It's a terrific show. You're listening. (laughs) Really, is. is. I'm really excited for it. Uh, You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast, presented by Cereclat. We're talking today with Tyler Sumala, an American designer, educator, and practitioner. For more information, feel free to visit tylertactics.com. tylertactics.com. And on that, uh, the belief and the power of that belief, you also provide the strategy and the tactics to leverage for architects, designers in their description the, and their communicate that value to their clients. When did that formalize for you?
1: Uh, it was more so from, so what happened, you know, I ran my own architectural design studio for a couple of years, right? And then essentially moved into a business development role at Monograph and when I made that move into the business development role at Monograph, I realized how terrible <laughs> I was at business development in my own architectural design studio, right? I thought i was I thought I was pretty good. I was like, oh, you know, I enjoy speaking with clients and meeting with prospective clients and trying to earn their their um, business and things like that. Um, but after I was kind of more, after I understood more of the systems um, that are at play, uh, in business development, as well as understanding, you know, just better ways to communicate with prospective clients. I realized that I was actually doing, I had done a really poor job <laughs> <laughs> when I ran my when I ran my own studio. And so then I started talking, you know, because architects were only friends with other architects, right? So I was speaking to my friends that are beginning to run their own firms, or maybe already running their firms, and I was asking them, like, you know, what's your business development process? Do you have something in place? Um, do you know anything about? this or that and they were kind of like no i'm kind of just you know i'm flying by the seat of my pants (laughs) um right so so it was at that moment then you know that was kind of the initiative for me to be like maybe uh maybe i wasn't the only one that felt that way um potentially there's others that also feel as though they're kind of struggling through this business development aspect of of uh, running a practice um so that's when i started posting about it on linkedin a little over a year ago um and yeah yeah it didn't it didn't take super long to to realize that um Architects are not alone in their struggles, and uh, and I wasn't alone. My friends weren't alone, and it's pretty much something that everyone um, is struggling with in some capacity.
0: I'm going to go back to this uh, now, and we'll do it even at the uh, a little in the future. That chase fulfillment. At what level would you feel that you can say that that level of fulfillment of Wow, you know what? The industry has more than moved the needle. We are where i kind of where i envisioned and where i felt and believed we use your word believed that we are as a community as architects that we are deserving of the fees that we have and it's just now it's not even a, not a deserving it's just it's just what what we are
1: yeah i think if you i think if you chase that kind of fulfillment all the way down if you start at the at the top of it right you You help um, architects and owners understand the value that they're bringing. Um, You help them better communicate that value to the public and to their clients. right? What does that mean? That means that they're actually able to generate more revenue and more profit for their firms. Um, That means that they're they're then able to offer better benefits to their employees, higher salaries to their employees, um, and probably higher quality work um, for their clients as well. Right. So. I think when you take it all the way down, I think just a really good metric to understanding that is, is salaries in the industry. Um, That is really kind of the baseline to understand how much, how much value is being offered, you know, by the industry. For example, you know, I went through, I I had two degrees in architecture, right? I got my second one from an Ivy league. I graduate um, from grad school, not terribly long ago. Right. Um, And, uh, and my starting salary was less than $50,000. That is insane to me, right? I still can't like I still can't believe it. And that, you know, I think it's raised a little bit since then. Um but it's still, you know, industry stranded for it to be super low. Um, and so I think that's that's like a that's a hallmark of the industry, right? This to, to salaries are low despite public actually believes that that architects get paid a lot. And there are some. Um it's not like it's not like there's not any architects that don't get paid money. There's definitely firms that are running very viable businesses um, with great profit margins that are able to pay their team, you know, a a very reasonable income. But I think, I think, you know, looking at the salaries and and bringing those up in general to the point where, you know, a starting salary for an architect after grad school should be 70, 80, 80, 80,000, you know, and then within five years, you're probably into six figures and, and things like that. I think that is a much more, I think that's much more aligned with the value that's actually being offered um, by firms and by architects than than starting so much lower.
0: Has there been, without, I guess, giving away what would you call the secret soft sauce, a foolproof system to communicate effectively communicate the value that an architect an architect firm brings?
1: I wish that'd be like a okay. silver bullet, yeah. Uh no, I don't think okay. I don't think a silver I don't I don't actually I probably don't believe in silver bullets right in terms of okay. having like a I don't think there's a one a one fits all. I think that there's different systems that you can implement to begin to understand what works best for you and your firm. I think there's different um I think there's different ways of approaching clients that are just in, like in general will, will result in better outcomes like for you and your firm. So I think there's things like that. But um, if, there, if I had discovered a system that worked for every firm, then I would probably be selling it for a lot more than I am than in my free newsletter. <laughs> 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 Let me put it that way.
0: Well, I'll recommend a, uh, and It's a bit of a plug for my late great friend, dear friend, Arthur Gensler or Art and uh, the book Arts Principles. And it, it, I don't know if you've read it or you've heard it, uh, but it t- does talk about. Doesn't say foolproof system, of course, but sure. it uh, of how do you communicate the value? And part of that value is is building a perception of your value as well, not just the reality of it, but the perception of your value. value. I know that's a shameless plug, but yeah, uh, it it definitely. I've read it several times and it's applicable to any industry. It's not just architecture, but really any professional services, professional service provider. It's, it's good for what, if you look ahead two, three years from now, is there a point where you will look back and say, yeah, you know what? I'm so happy we are here because the industry really is moving. Collectively industry is, has moved, not is moving, has moved to where you've, Feel they rightfully ought to be.
1: Like what? Like what would question. that be? You mean <clears throat> just or? just
0: saying revenue and profit for almost everyone coming out of grad school, just like you did with your the accomplishments to yeah. even even uh, client fees and what the value of our architect brings to an entire project.
1: Yeah, like what would that? Are you saying? What yeah, would what that is there
0: mean? a number figure? Like you said, 50, 60 thousand that you had. Is it you know you know what you know what the medium figure like almost like a I don't know what promote but like like just a, a standardized or unionized like dollar figure if yeah, there's such I a know. thing it
1: almost feels like it really does feel like i think if we could get like entry level entry level positions in architecture to around seventy thousand or so then that seems like a reasonable starting point i mean i i think it should be like 90 but you know that's not going to happen anytime soon. Sure. Um, but like, let's get us to let's get us to seventy. Let's get let's get significantly more you know um, diversity within the industry as well. You know that's another component that I think can be a big contributor to adding additional value as well.
0: Yeah, on the the diversity, uh, I'm a big believer in in youth being exposed to architecture and design. Mm-hmm. Youth being say anyone from first grade to high school to where they're exposed and at least know what it is and what they do, that that sort of value, that not sort of that value will be. What's your, what's your thought on exposing architecture and design to the youth much more so than. Yeah. I mean, I think,
1: I think architecture and design is uh, probably really attractive to the youth. And I think if you speak to most architects, um, our interest in architecture was born in our youth at some point, right. From watching homes be built or from drawing um, or from doing art in some capacity. Right. So like, uh, I think I think it's a really attractive model uh, to begin uh, to begin with our youth and to begin educating them and beginning offering like architecture camps and um, and architecture courses that can be taken in middle school or in high school to just give them more exposure to the industry. I think that yeah that would be a huge thing.
0: You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation podcast. We're talking today with Tyler Suamala. Our public service for. Today's show is for Tyler. Why don't you go ahead and announce it?
1: Yeah, Apoyo Scholarships, um, run by my two amazing friends, Ethan and Jenny. Um, It helps support educational costs for an entire tribe in Uganda.
0: Excellent. And for more information, excuse me, feel free to visit ApoyoScholarships.org, and that is APHOYO Scholarships.org. And to reach Tyler's website, Feel free to visit tylertactics dot That's tylertactics dot Tyler, with uh, architecture, obviously constantly evolving and changing. What's what's changed over the last say two two three years in your experience in the uh, in the industry?
1: I think that's uh, ooh. I think there is. I I do think that there's more awareness. It seems like there's been like a little bit more of a catch. Obviously, my perspective is different because I literally work at a company that is focused on, like you know, helping firms uh, perform better, uh, right? But it does seem like there's been a little bit of a click somewhere in the industry where where firms are beginning to think about their business models a little bit more, right? They're beginning to think about how they're business can perform better and to also see the results of that success kind of, um, kind of, uh, radiate throughout the rest of their firms and things like that. So, um, I think that's, that's a shift that I've at least personally noticed. Like there's, you know, the vast majority of firms. Now, if you talk to them, they're thinking about this, they're working with a consultant. They're part of different communities. Um, they're in a mastermind group, right? Like they're doing, they're doing things and they're thinking about their business in different ways and, and at least becoming, uh, I think getting a little bit more creative with different ways that they can add value to their, to their business models.
0: And on the chasing fulfillment, was there a moment or a time where that really became a value to you? Or you've known it for years, chase fulfillment, not success. I think, or I
1: think it was actually probably when I joined Monograph, like that was when the click happened for me. And that, and that was, you know, at a moment when I was trying to figure out my own career path. Right. So I, I had run my own, um, architectural design studio for a couple of years, didn't feel fulfilled, still loved the industry, wanted to find a different way that I could, you know, continue gaining skills um, that would still be beneficial to me, but while still, you know, while still staying in the industry in some way, or at least being tangential to it. Um, And so, you know, Monograph is a, it's a platform that helps, that helps um, architects track their day-to-day activities and, you know, forecast, forecast forecast their future performance and things like that. And so that meant that moving into a business development role at Monograph, um, I was able to have conversations every single day with architects about the challenges that they're facing in their practice. Um, and that for me, like that was kind of the moment where I was like, this is, this is amazing. I get to help architects solve problems with their business, you know, which helps them um, improve their business models, improve their revenue, improve their profits so that they can take that, you know, so they can take that back down to their team and improve their lifestyles and work balance and, you know, reduce burnout and all of these things. So um, it's something, it was the perfect alignment between the struggles that I had felt in architecture, um, the passions that I have in architecture, and then kind of this alignment between, you know, work-life balance and and lifestyle and uh, pay, honestly, um, you know, to, to uh, alignment of value and skills
0: the uh, your linkedin page is fen- phenomenal uh <clears throat> your posts are outstanding i look forward to them how you, you leverage the yellow and the black everything there <laughs> i look forward to seeing them in the comments and the the comments are uh, often just as insightful as your insight what what prompted that that whole uh branding so to speak
1: yeah I love LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, for all the reasons that you're talking about, it's it's such a great place, uh, especially within the post, to just begin understanding everyone's perspective and the challenges that they're facing. And it's usually like, I mean, the posts themselves are ways of me understanding what content to generate next, right? Um, in terms of the conversations that are happening there, I think, I mean, what started there was that same thing um, I was saying before, where I was where I realized that I didn't understand business development. At the time I was running my practice, I had spoken to some friends. I started being, I started consistently posting about at least challenges that I had faced or uh, observations that I had made just from having conversations with other architects on LinkedIn. And that relatively quickly picked up. Um, I think the nice thing about being, let's say, like around architecture and not directly in it is that it gives me a different perspective um, now than what I had before. It also gives me a little bit of a little bit of like leeway to speak about the challenges that I've faced in the practice without actually, or with in the industry, without actually like being in the industry, um, which is just a little bit like, it, it's a better comfort zone um, than being in the industry and also talking about the challenges that I face in the industry.
0: And I know the challenges within the industry, you, you mentioned Kimberly, how is also connecting and engaging and meeting with people who are of influence within the industry help this with the practice with you and your practice.
1: I I think everyone, like everyone really is on the same mission and that's been kind of the amazing thing on, on LinkedIn, right. Is that I've probably now met, I don't know, 20 or 30 like other, you know, relatively active people in the industry as a result of being on LinkedIn and jumping onto calls like this, like you and I are now, right. I think I've been on maybe like 15 podcasts in the past year, um, as a result of just becoming more active. and everyone, everyone wants the same things. Um, everyone's facing the same challenges. Most people have the same observations, right? So, like um, it's interesting to know that alignment because sometimes when you're in the industry, you might not like you might not feel that way. Like you feel like you might be the only one that's having that struggle. Um, but in reality, what I have learned from this is that, yeah, everyone's on the same mission. We all want to improve our value we all feel these same struggles in the industry we want to reduce burnout we want to um, increase pay we want to improve diversity um, there's there's a lot of alignment there which has been i think the most promising part of it all
0: yeah i like that love that word actually alignment what does it mean to you that just alignment
1: i think alignment is uh is like shared values really yeah
0: tyler what would uh you like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on.
1: What I like to share, I think, uh, is the audience. Assuming that the audience is mostly, you know, people in the AEC industry, I think I would just share that you are amazing. Um, you're incredible. You're extremely valuable. Um, no matter what part of the process you're in, relative to the built environment, you are improving people's lives um, in so many ways. And I hope that you just take a second to sit with that and realize the impact the positive impact that you're having on society um, as a result of what you do.
0: Outstanding. Tyler, a real, real honor and pleasure having you on our show today. I hope to have you back very soon, truly.
1: Thanks so much, Tom. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much for being here. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast, brought to you by Shiraclad. Our guest today has been Tyler Swamala. Tyler is an American designer, educator, and practitioner, and received a Master's of Architecture Degree from Princeton University School of Architecture and was editor of Pigeon Magazine and recipient of the Henry Adams AIA Medal. Tyler is helping over 1,000 architects communicate their unique value and build meaningful relationships at TylerTactics.com and business development at Monograph. For more information, feel free to visit TylerTactics.com the executive producer and host of the Architecture and Innovation podcast is Tom Dior and our chief audio engineer is Eris Chakopoulos. Thank you for listening. Cereclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cereclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit Cereclad.com dot com.